1974, the first tabletop role-playing game was created. Since then, people from all around have gathered to play. Join me as we talk with RPG enthusiasts while they share their best, worst, and favorite moments. This is You Had to Be There. Hey everyone, welcome to You Had to Be There, a D&D storytelling podcast. I am your host, Tom DeSillis. Uh, if you're not familiar, I'm also a stand-up comedian. You can check me out at Tom DeSillis Comedy, pretty much on every platform possible. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to be doing just a few giving credit where credit is due. Um, so the awesome logo at the end of my intro was created by Nicole Summers. She is part of a D&D campaign podcast called Reliably Chaotic. It's a really fun Original story, great characters, highly recommend it. Um, and then the music for my intro was created by Michael James McGarry. You can find him at It's MJ Made on Instagram and I believe SoundCloud as well. He's a great music writer and producer, so I highly recommend you check this out. Um, and that leads us to my first guest of, uh, of this adventure that I've put myself on. Uh, I want you to all, I'm going to introduce my guest. His name is Peter Zepp. What's up? Uh, I have nothing to plug. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, that's makes it easier, and you're uh, <laughs> nothing to plug but yourself. Um, I do. I do all the shameless plugging. Uh, so yeah, this is it. This is the show. We're gonna talk with a bunch of RPG enthusiasts and hear about their awesome and fun and maybe not so fun stories. Um, but first, I kind of actually, I, my, I have a couple questions first. I have a couple things that I want to know as someone who's been recently kind of obsessed with this topic. Um, where, uh, when was your like first delve into doing, like playing these games? Where did it all like start for, was it a young Peter Zeft? Was it a few, uh, few years back? It all started in uh, 2010 or 2011. All right. I don't all right. know what, I don't know when exactly the bug bit me. Right. Uh, but me and a couple of friends, uh, in high school we found out about D&D we'd been hearing about it in you know media uh all the uh you know satan worshipers play D&D type stuff uh, okay. from back in the day uh, yeah um, i'm really curious we about like, that kind of stuff we we didn't know like anything about it going in so diving right in we went into D&D 3.5 uh okay and that system is a big sprawling mess I, I've I, I volunteered to be the DM, um, which was a lot to learn. Uh, I think I read the D&D 3.5 Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide, and Monster Manual uh, cover to cover over the span of like a month okay. and created a homebrew setting because... Uh, oh so you I, started out right away just going in as a DM? Because that was going to be my question. Oh, yeah. When did you start DMing? And that, that already answered it. You just went right in. Uh-huh. That's yep. yeah. bonkers. Straight I couldn't away. even imagine. Uh, I drew the short straw or something. No, okay. it was a lot of fun, though. I I, uh, I have a thing for learning rule systems. It's mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a thing that I like to do. I'm always the one to bring new board games to the to the group. I, okay. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, three three point five was a lot. There are a lot of like very niche rules. It's a lot more like involved and with a lot more subsystems than than what fifth edition does. But um, right, right. So yeah, you started they're... off with D and D. Um, what was your okay? So <laughs> this is so crazy. So one of my one of my interests is all right. So you're playing three point five. Unless you had anything else to share on that topic. No, no. no right. So so you're playing three point five. You, you're d you're dming for the first time when did you get to play as a character was it 3.5 did you move on to something else at that point yeah there were uh two other 3.5 edition campaigns that i played before oh no it was one 3.5 and one uh pathfinder first edition okay campaign. that is the big uh, from what i, I heard high is, school. is the math finder of from what i've heard is the big you know, I've, I've heard that too, but you know, a lot of the math, it it's no worse than, than 3.5 edition. Like all the calculations are very, very similar. Mm -hmm. You play 3.5. It's, it's just kind of how D and D worked back then. Right. Just these big numbers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like, if you max out a skill by level like 10 in, uh -huh pathfinder or D, D 3.5 you could be adding like 20 to your rolls it, right. it like very much stops being about the d20 roll and it, it just starts being about like my character can do this just basically just, every yeah because you you could even if you roll i guess unless would a natural one still just auto fail well i guess that doesn't yeah, matter you have the yeah. the critical and the the crit fail so but. unless you roll a one you're pretty much like this is happening that's got to be a lot of fun for like for like monks and stuff like very mobile and acrobatic like characters you'd be like i'm gonna do three backflips and there's nothing you can do to stop me <laughs> <laughs> nice so so your first character was in pathfinder then no my first character was in 3.5 okay it wasn't 3.5 so, um uh it's you know i i kind of forget the character's name uh which is funny because everyone just called him thrower uh do tell it was um when by the time i got to be a player i was like all right i'm gonna dive into every 3.5 book there is i'm gonna pour through everything i'm going to find a, a wacky build and make it really strong right okay so in 3.5 there are like 45 expansion books to the system it's <laughs> it's really dumb uh they kind of went crazy printing that stuff and uh there was, uh, I decided that I was going to make a throwing weapons character, but not just okay. any throwing weapon. I was going to throw the biggest weapon I could over and over again. I got like a returning enchantment on this uh, oh. giant minotaur great hammer. It was like bigger than I was. I invested <laughs> like tons of feats into being able to wield things that were two size categories larger than I was supposed to. It did like, 5d12 damage on a hit it was <laughs> and, and is that like at what level were you kind of dealing that that amount was it this uh, over time or was it pretty much like right out the gate it was pretty we broken. started at a pretty high level oh uh, okay the the dm that i was playing with uh is a big fan of uh these kinds of things where it's like you you, you uh give right, the players right. a lot of agency over the things that they can do and um you know, because it's very rare for a campaign to last long enough to get to these higher levels. So, like, uh, right. 
he he likes to start things out a little higher than normal so that we can like get a taste of what the powers that these Some classes down can get and to dirty be. down and dirty stuff yeah 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 so i i was this i was thrower right thrower okay. uh and one of the stories that i like to tell about thrower is that i at character creation i bought a mule because i wanted to have these great clubs to carry around with me but i didn't want to be encumbered so i bought a mule and gave him a bunch of saddle packs and filled them with gigantic great clubs <laughs> right and the mule's name was Milton. I don't remember Thrower's name. I remember the mule's name was Milton. Nice. All right. It's yeah. One of my favorite and... names for characters. <laughs> um, so one of the first sessions, I think it was the first session, we are mm -hmm. in a desert and we go up to this temple thing to go down because some undead are, are crawling about around okay. the place. So we go and the mule, I'm like, okay, you stay out here. Uh, we're going to go down here. I'm going to tie you up outside. Uh, we're going to go down and we're going to uh, explore this cave. I'm going to come back for you. I love you, buddy. I like built a backstory around having right, this character. Right. Yeah, don't fall uh, in love with the animals in D&D &D that you acquire. <laughs> Dangerous. So we entered the dungeon and I immediately forgot about the mule. Yeah. I, <laughs> it entirely left my brain. Forgot that I had a mule altogether. Uh, two sessions later, we come out of the dungeon and some monstrously high level dragon swoops across the desert and like turns a huge swath of the desert into glass i'm like holy shit oh my god this big set piece thing just happened and oh my uh, god. somebody <laughs> somebody across the table from me reminds me it's like hey hey peter didn't you have a didn't you have a mule tied up outside the oh milton no you have a glass menagerie mule <laughs> yeah uh milton didn't did not make it oh r.i.p milton <laughs> That's that's hilarious. That's like one of my fears is that I'm going to like make an animal and forget about like I, you, it makes me nervous. I, so you said you bought the mule. So when you start at this higher level, how does the DM how did your DM like acquire like did he say like here's this much gold you go buy what you want or was this like you bought the mule at a later time? Um so in previous editions, a lot of the power level of your character is tied to having crazy magic items. Um, right. The they they get wild. Like there were as like every new uh, book that came out for three point five had like a dozen new crazy stupid overpowered magic items that came with it. Right. So there was a wealth by level chart uh, in the DM guide. Okay. In D and D three point five, and uh, if you so were making like a character. Starting... You would start with a certain amount of money, and then you can shop through all the books and get what you want. Very cool. Very cool. So you're you're throwing stuff. So what class exactly were you again? If I missed that, you just said um, you were throwing. It was a fighter. Was it a fighter? Uh, yes, I was a fighter for a few levels. I was a uh, I I forget the name of the class. It was uh, let me see. Battle. There, there was. God, yeah. Okay, so I was a. Or blade. There were okay. So there were classes in three point five. Yeah. There were expansion classes in all of the expansion books that were base classes. There mm -hmm. were prestige classes. There were uh, classes that were locked behind certain feat requirements. There were. 
Uh, there was a lot. This build had like five different uh, like combinations of base classes and prestige classes in it. Designed like, okay, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go into this thing for two levels to get this bonus to throwing a weapon, and I'm gonna get this other thing for two levels to get access to this feat so that I can have it return to me every time I throw it. And uh... right, okay, so you built, <laughs> you built up to that essentially. That's that's cool though. Um, uh -huh. for your kind of fun information you could potentially recreate they i know in i think it's the new tasha's book they implemented a throwing fighter proficient in throwing weapons um also it could kind of cross between they also did a new uh wild magic barbarian where when you rage you go you roll a wild magic table and one of the abilities is you can throw your heavy weapon and it just appears back in your hand. So ah. there, the opportunities are there that there could be a thrower too if you're ever feeling super <laughs> froggy about it. Um, so here's my question about thrower. Uh, did he make it? How? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, no. <laughs> this is yeah. This is what I want. <laughs> so you know how. Uh... It, it, it sounds nuts, right? That I could just throw this giant warhammer doing all this damage four times a turn, uh, and um, like just pump it out like that, right? Well, um, in three point five, spellcasters are more OP than anything you can ever do with a melee character, especially later in levels. Okay. Uh, a lot of people like to make this comparison where martial characters is scale linearly right. and spellcasters scale quadratically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could I could see that. Um even just in um, my playing, I'm like Oh, this really kinda like I only get those slight boosts when like these cantrips start throwing four or five dice more each time. You know, like I could see that. It still kinda translates today a little bit, but go ahead. So I I was focusing everything in my power to make this guy really good at throwing a giant hammer, mm -hmm. right? I invested nothing into defenses <laughs> at all. Uh, so we came across an enemy spellcaster. It was... Uh, um, we were, like, combat had not even started, right? And this guy casts a spell on me. Okay. And I instantly die. <laughs> what? I failed to save... <laughs> And I instantly died. <laughs> <laughs> that that they had that. <laughs> just like... yeah, yeah, no. It... <laughs> Three point five was brutal, dude. But oh my god! Like, previous editions of D anD D were insane. I feel <laughs> like I, I feel coddled by by five E now. Like, all right, don't worry, buddy. And it was fine, okay. and I got to make another wacky build after that. That's... <laughs> so, like, what kind thrower. of a spellcaster kind of wields that that spell? Do you remember? I know, you, like you said, it was. Ten, almost 10 years ago probably but like it was uh a monster called a balor okay so it's a specific type of monster and like was it a, a thing like that is that like a crazy high dc or something or is it like is it a low d is it like how it's just like no if you roll anything below a 15 you're dead and like can it do it multiple times that's insane it had hmm where was it 
it's not i just oh no you know what it was um the my dm liked to give uh player character classes to the monsters so oh. it was like this uh this crazy creature i don't know if it was the balor we fought a balor at some point this was like uh mine 10 years ago i i, I don't I, no no it's fine if 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 it's too hard to remember you just we, we move past it yeah no but the, uh we came across something that had a spell called power word kill power and it said kill. it said the kill word and i failed my save so i i was killed <laughs> wow wow and then so then is there like if you had i guess that's like killed like you doubled your hit points in 5e and you're just outright dead were you revivable and then just no one had the ability to do so um <laughs> uh yeah so i could have theoretically been revived uh if they okay. wanted to recover my body and um not just cut and run from this from this monster right uh, which killed me outright, and I was a significant portion of the DPS that we had. So gotcha. um, we, they would have needed to a fight the fight the thing without me from gotcha. the very onset, and b drag my body out, and c uh, like my character enough to bring it back. <laughs> right, right. That's uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Sometimes a lot of work. Sometimes. That last check mark uh, was never gonna make it. By the way. <laughs> yeah. I always equate it sometimes to, like, if you've ever played the video game Left 4 Dead or anything like that. Like, that's how it goes. Like, you're playing with four people, you're four of your friends, and, like, you're like, listen, man, if I don't if I don't get on this escape thing, we're all gonna die, so sorry. And that's that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But, uh, so this was, how, like, was it pretty far into the campaign? Were you, like, getting close to the end of it? Um, we had played for maybe two three months at that point okay it was um it was very sandboxy it wasn't like an adventure or anything we weren't on an adventure path so uh, emotions yeah like the dm came with this setting sort of uh pre-built um it was like a, a sandbox style thing uh mm -hmm. funny because it was in a desert so yeah right <laughs> um but uh, yeah we we didn't really have too much uh goals we were just kind of bouncing from uh world ending apocalypse one to another until uh uh trying to stop the world from ending as many times as possible gotcha gotcha so that was your that was your first kind of for the most part other than your crazy uh dming that you had to do um for 5e and now i know you kind of shifted more gears you're more into the the pathfinder deal right now right kind of yeah so i really like the i liked the pathfinder system the first edition system because i was used to 3.5 and what pathfinder first edition said was okay imagine 3.5 but uh without all of the sprawling nonsense and overpowered spells and all the erratas and like let's take 3.5 and boil it down into something manageable right gotcha. let's take all the uh the interesting character decisions you can do let's uh they they made they made it so that building your character was really modular and fun and you can like create a concept and find out how to do that in the rule set which i really mm -hmm. liked um so pathfinder was cool um then pathfinder second edition came out and a lot of the changes were things that kind of felt like they should have been in dnd like ages ago gotcha. but um they managed to keep that modular style of make a concept for a character 
and you can find out how to do it within the rules of the system. Um, okay. It's very freeform. Um, there's not a lot of like locking into something. You can like uh, plan something intricate out and then execute and go away from the the different paths and stuff. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's definitely different. Um, uh, what, I had another question actually before we get. To, oh. I did want to ask because, like you said, when you started, you were hearing like you heard the history of like oh Satanists and stuff like that. Did you ever have any awkward situations where like, like, like for me, I I tell I, I don't even think about it. But like I started really recently when like ten years ago. Like, did you hide it from your parents at all, or was it kind of like not too not too much to worry about? Uh, the only part of playing D&D &D that I ever hid from my parents was uh, when we actually uh, casted Raise Undead in real life. Uh, we had to really, uh, you know, get the shovels out, um, make sure we handled that on our own, keep it quiet. I uh, didn't want anybody to know about that. But besides <laughs> that, no, I was uh, I was very open with my parents about it because, like, you know, I needed to buy the books. I was a right, high school student. Right, right, and you were a little, um, you're, you're young, so it just... My parents know I'm a massive nerd. It, it, yeah, it is yeah. what it is. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I had, like, one brief moment. My friends and I were, like, writing a comic book, and I think my dad – I didn't even think about it, but he said something weird. He's like, you're writing comic books? You're doing anything else? Like, see, And then it took me years to realize. I'm like, oh, he was asking if I was, like, going to start sacrificing goats or anything. No, we just made a comic book. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, so, uh, so that was, I mean, that was a, a few of the things like, I, I really like, I want to hear all about that. It's pretty much going to be my line of questioning for a lot of people that come on this show, but now I kind of want to toss the ball into your court and I want to hear about like the times, like the ones that you just sit, like, I know you kind of forgot about your first character, which are the, which is the characters, the stories, the moments that you will never, you can't ever forget about other than Milton. All right, so uh, there's one that I uh, always refer to in my head as the I'm going to bull rush him incident. Um, <laughs> so and on that note, I'm probably going to, when I release the audio, it's going to be I'm going to bull rush him. <laughs> uh, so uh, a different character that I had made... Um, in in 3.5 is a warforged artificer because i was like all right uh oh. i'm gonna try and mess around with with spells and stuff because a lot of what artificers did in in that was uh like making wands making magic items doing a bunch right. of stuff right quick question um, is it similar to the artificer in like 5e now um i don't know too much about how the artificer works in okay. fifth edition right now um i know you have uh like a little mechanical companion that there's can... a few different ones there's like an alchemist there's a battlesmith um but in later in later levels you can do that you can like craft your own wands to do more damage and stuff like that so i guess maybe a little similar yeah um yeah the uh the philosophy of the class has stayed the same where it's uh -huh. like you're this uh you're like a, a mechanist. You're not a proper wizard. You uh, build things, and they are magical things. Yeah, I call it a steampunk wizard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A steampunk wizard. So I was a warforged, which is a like a robot guy. Right. Um, and as part of building this artif artificer, I 
decided that I was going to like keep wands in my arm and they were going to like pop out and I would like cast Scorching Ray from from that wand and a different wand would pop out of my other hand and I would cast something else with that. Um, like a revolver, but with wands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I ended up in in town alone uh, and there had been like disappearances going on. Um, and I, I got stopped and like questioned by the police. So I, I casted glibness on myself, which, uh, makes all your deception checks have like plus 30 or something ridiculous on it. Okay. And I was just, I was just like lying to people left right, and right. Trying to get out of uh, this with your head. Yeah. And I was just like digging a, digging a hole, burying myself in way deeper than I ever had to be. Uh, because <laughs> of all of these convoluted lies that everybody was believing. And, um, I ended up getting uh, shepherded into this um, magic shop that was in the town. And there was this uh, kindly looking old man, a uh, very frail guy just behind the counter. And he kept saying these weird, sinister things to me. Uh, <laughs> but but he, he was like uh, all outwardly just this this kindly little old man. And I was like, dude, you're kind of freaking me out. You're, I'm getting really... Nasty so he was kind, but he would like slip in something that was like somewhat threatening. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because there were these like disappearances happening. He was saying things like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, he was just being creepy. Um, so I ended up casting Detect Magic to, uh -huh. to see what was going on around here, and there was just necromancy everywhere. Just tons oh, of necromancy. Okay. I was like, oh god, you, you're you're a bad man. You're a bad old man. I need yeah, to get yeah, out yeah. of here. I <laughs> I, I am not prepared for this situation. Uh, I got the cops outside. I got I got this necromancer in here. Um, and uh, it happened so that the necromancer was between me and the door. And I was like, buddy, you got to move. I got I got to get out of here. I'm running. I'm getting I'm getting out of here right now. And, and uh -huh. this guy was like, oh, no, no, you should you should stay. You should you shouldn't go anywhere. I, I, I think don't me. you want to see some of my wares? Uh <laughs> and so oh I declare to the table that I'm going to bull rush him, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is okay. a shoulder first yeah, forward yeah, yeah. charge. <laughs> I guess we're a robot, uh, so it kind of works. Um, and I, I just shoulder check this tiny, frail old man into this door, uh, bash through it, this <laughs> shatter this poor old guy, who turns out. Uh, yes, he was a necromancer, but he was, like, actually not responsible for any of the disappearances, and, um, <laughs> was kind of... <laughs> yeah, he was actually mostly just a kindly old man who was he's looking to sell me some of his wares. He's just creepy. He's really creepy. Um, and, um... Were you able to lie your way out of it? <laughs> um, he, Yes, but... Oh, oh, I remember what happened. So what happened to this character eventually? Um, I did lie my way out of it. Uh, all my friends, they refused to let me live that down, that I bull rushed the poor, kindly old man who just wanted to help me out. Uh, <laughs> um, and what eventually happened to this character was uh, Artificers in 3.5 can get something called an item familiar. 
which uh, you can like store some of your class abilities and powers into this item familiar, mm -hmm. and you gain like different benefits because of that, right? So me being a Warforged construct, I was like, I'm going to make my Warforged attached armor my item familiar. Um, and this was all well and good. It seemed like a great plan until I got permanently polymorphed into something into a different type of creature. Oh, which destroyed forever my item familiar, where which had so many of my class features tied to it, and that Wait, I simply did, could so not. So how did the polymorph destroy your item familiar again? Um, it was a part of me. It was like a oh, part of. So... I, I was a I was a construct, and my item familiar was part of my metal construct body. But it wouldn't just change everything because it was technically part of you. Uh, I, I well, no, because it wasn't an item anymore. Gotcha. It wasn't an item anymore. Gotcha. So it just lost all of its properties and stuff. So, um, were you able to eventually <laughs> like? Is that something you rebuild back up? Like, did you have to start from the bottom essentially? Like someone? I would. I would have had to start from the bottom. At that point, I was just like, oh, oh no, this really high level druid just turned me into, turned me into a a non construct. Uh, oh. Welp. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess I, 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 I'm just going to leave this character here and try and work off his debt to this druid, and eventually maybe they'll turn me back into a, a, a warforged. What did, but, um, um, what did the druid? No, this was this was a brutal campaign. It was a very brutal campaign. What did the druid turn you into? <laughs> Do you remember? You just said another creature. I think it was a halfling. A halfling. I think it was a halfling. That must have been surreal for your character, made of metal mm. his entire life, and I was like, oh, so squishy now. <laughs> <laughs> what's this breathing thing about that's awful that's mm -hmm. so funny amazing amazing and that that was a that was a 3.5 one you said yeah that, that was a 3.5 days nice nice have you ever tried um just a random question. have you ever tried any like other than pathfinder and um D D? have you tried any other like systems like the like these weird ones like there's like call of cthulhu and these other strange uh, I don't um, know what's strange. They're just different. Not really. Not really. A uh, a buddy of mine sort of used um sort of like uh grabbed one of the D8 systems, which like D and D is a D20 system. A lot of the rules are based on D uh, D20 rules. Mm -hmm. Um, a friend of mine grabbed a D8 system that he was familiar with and decided to try to make a Ghostbusters themed campaign. Oh, that sounds um, fun. And sort of like made a very rules light, uh, D eight based, uh, heavy role play sort of system. Okay. And we played a few sessions of that, and that was really fun. Nice, nice. That's always a good time. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, any other uh, kind of? I can I can pick and pry, but any any other crazy stories that come to your mind? Other than uh, so we got I'm gonna bull rush him. Uh, where you crippled <laughs> you crippled an old man. Uh, yeah. Um. So when I was first uh, DMing that yeah, that very DM first time, too. we were all like you know brand new to the game. No, okay. no, none of us had ever uh, touched D and D before with a with a eleven foot pole, right? Right. And um, so uh, <laughs> one of my one of my players decides that they're going to build a fighter. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, you're going to be like a, a frontline guy. You're going to run up. You're going to hit stuff. You're going to be beefy. Uh, I'm gonna wear heavy armor, 
It's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. And um, he hands me his character sheet, and he's got, um, like, uh, an 18 in intelligence, and all of his physical stats are, like, 12s and 10s. And he's like, yeah, okay. I, w- I want him to be a smart fighter. It's like, ah, it's... Wait, he's a okay. fighter, like a fighter class. But yeah. he's just really smart and very frail. Yeah, he wanted okay. he wanted to be a smart fighter. Okay. Um which <laughs> was I don't know, man. He had to be there. Uh it was, yeah. <laughs> it was... He said like it. everyone else was like um building, you know, a cleric, you know, I'm gonna max out my wisdom, I'm gonna Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, plan all my spells. I, I'm gonna like think tactically. I'm, I'm gonna be a rogue. I'm gonna be like, yeah, trying to get behind everybody and sneak attack. And um, <laughs> my my last friend was like, yeah, I'm a dwarf. My weapon is a massive keg filled with ale um, that I'm going to smack people with. I'm just gonna carry the keg around, <laughs> out of it, and then I'm gonna hit people with the battle keg. Um, and I'm gonna be a smart fighter. And. Uh, <laughs> Um, one of the first adventures we had was, um, they ended up in this farming village and I was trying to get them to like engage in an adventure hook that I had set up. And I, uh, being a brand new DM had no idea how to get players to engage with an adventure hook. So Mm -hmm. I created a bunch of random chance checkpoints for people to potentially find the information that I needed them to find. And they didn't <laughs> so instead okay. they found a bunch of nonsense information like the farmer needs help with a weasel infestation out in his out in his field and so they decided that rather than lurking for more information to go and to go and uh find the uh missing artifact that the neighboring princess needs they're going to go and help the farmer with the weasel problem the weasel they problem. became exterminators okay they decided they were going to be weasel exterminators. So they went and they went out to the the farmer's place and they find this big hole where uh, all the weasels are coming out of. And the farmer's like, yeah, there's uh, there's weasels coming out of there. Uh, go, go, go get them. Uh, <laughs> it's like uh, entirely, entirely not what I had planned. It just entirely off the cuff. It was like farmer Johan <laughs> with, with the weasels. And our smart fighter was like, don't worry, sir. We are going to handle the weasels. Um, and uh, so they did. They went and they handled the weasels. And that took that took two sessions. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a, it was, oh, it was a horror God, story. A it was a horror story. <laughs> oh, my God. The... the... Oh. Now, you said they were just trying to find information. So this smart fi- fighter didn't roll high enough to find the information they needed well Instead, no gather information's a charisma based check oh it was charisma based oh, i was thinking like i guess more information oh they were talking they were talking to me all right so they're yep. charismatic was that the the dump that everyone went with as far as uh <laughs> yeah parties? yeah yeah it was there were there were only three players in that one uh yeah. so we had a row oh, okay. we had a uh, cleric and we had a uh a fighter smart guy oh. slinging kegs should have been the, the cleric uh the cleric in that campaign ever the creative decided that um uh, he, he had a lot of trouble coming up with a name for the character so uh eventually just settled on having a cleric named father and everyone just called him oh thank you I mean, thank you father that's, that's, that's <laughs> i guess if you're gonna go with a, a a short name like that that's that's the way to do it 
Um, mm-hmm. That's funny how, like, so I I definitely don't mind, like, having not the most powerful of a class for, like, a character purpose. Like, if the character's not really good at wisdom, but, like, you make him a cleric, yeah, you just put the highest stat in there. But, like, like to abandon all hopes and just be like, I'm just going to be the smartest guy with not like is is just really really painful and it must i don't know i feel like it would frustrate I mean, you on hey, the inside we were, like it's we were all brand new you know we, we, it's uh no it is funny have you ever made but, like oh go ahead what you know you... not oh. not everyone Whoa. in uh in high school is is going to read the player's handbook cover to cover and like yeah that's true go on the forums and guy. so you knew i was that guy happen. yeah um did you ever make like as far as characters you've created, um, was like, was there like one character that was like, this character is awful. Like, why did I make this character? And then you just had to like kind of deal with it for a while. Um. Well. Hmm. Like, no, I think like I have played I think with I've you been a bit. Pretty happy. You're, you're an efficient. You're you're an efficient player for sure. You're like, I'm gonna make this stick with my game plan, and <laughs> execute it flawlessly. Um, which actually made me think about like the way you the way you did handle the necromancer is like pretty much a really like it's not a terrible like it's not like a super out of the box idea but like when you're dealing with a caster like that like yeah just tackle the caster is like one of the <laughs> one of the things that as uh that I've played with you is like one of your most brilliant moves all the time like I'm just gonna tackle him. Like, yeah, that's exactly what you do. Like, it's such a such a bold but efficient move. Like, you know they're not strong. You if you're if you're a strong character like that, like, yeah, just tackle them. Just put them <laughs> in the dirt. Amazing. <laughs> uh, that's really, really good. Um has uh so you had um have have you ever well I'm sure you have, um, as there like what was like the worst as a DM, like the worst death you've ever bestowed on someone? Was it like was there ever like an accidental or combat based you ever tpk any uh, a party no i actually i actually never have normally i uh when i balance an encounter poorly it's normally in the other direction normally it's like a clean sweep by the party and um yeah i I don't like uh i'm kind of scared of taking away people's fun uh so if people like spend a long time on like making a backstory and yeah uh integrating their characters into the world then uh I'd, I'd really like hate to kind of pull the rug out from under them for that right right so normally i err on the side of uh the you know giving the characters yeah. a power trip rather than it's it's tough for sure because like i've been dabbling in some dming and stuff and like i don't know you want the fight to be tough but you don't <laughs> want to like kill it and then like when they sweep through and just crush your your like everything you hoped in like one swoop it hurts too. It hurts um not as much as like losing a character, but like you're like, damn. <laughs> like I got not like I didn't even touch you guys. You just came in and just wrecked. That happened house. one time. Uh in the Pathfinder 2 campaign I was running, I had this uh I had this setting that was um a bunch of uh giants had a civilization in the mountains that was overthrown a few centuries ago. And, uh, so there are these, like, uh, burial sites for giants, and one of the, 
uh, giants ended up getting like corrupted by uh, an evil god, and um, so we had this big undead champion guy who was uh, originally a paladin for like a stone god, but was defending a temple against the onslaught from this uh, foreign uh, upstart that was trying to take over, take over the the. Wait, wait. Um, it's a lot. There's a lot here. So. You have a pal- <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so there's a no, no, it's fine. So the giant has been corrupted or taken over by a god. Okay, so let's let's go top down on this. Okay, okay? Uh, the way that I set up the pantheon in this world is I sort of popcorn the players. I was like, okay. okay, so at character creation, I want you guys to uh, tell me what deity your guy worships, and we're going to build it together. It, okay. it was like a homebrew setting. I wanted to uh, fill up the pantheon with everybody at the table, right? So, uh, one of the people, um, was, uh, one of, one of the guys that ended up on the Pantheon is, um, used to be one of the giants from centuries past, who is, like, sort of a mountain god. God of rocks, okay. god of, uh, god of time, god of, like, things like that, right? Right. Uh, there is a foreign empire coming to the shores uh, who, um, sort of like this fire of industry type guy, this, like, um, trying to, uh, invade the, the pantheon that was located on this, this one continent that we were working on. And, um, he started by trying to, um, take the power away from some of the older gods that people aren't worshiping too much anymore, like, the giant okay so there was a um a cultist that got set up in this old temple that was abandoned outside of a town okay and was starting to corrupt the seat of power of this god right so outside that temple there was an old paladin of the god uh who himself was also a giant who uh, sort of woke up from his eternal slumber mm-hmm. and um, wanted uh, some some adventurers to come in and uh, stop the cultist from perverting the power of his god. Gotcha. Now, uh, before the paladin guy let these adventurers into the temple, he wanted to test their metal because he w- he didn't want to open these doors and let the floodgates out for whatever this cultist was doing. Right, right. Unless he knew that these adventurers were people who could handle it. Okay. Um so I set up this big intense fight with this uh paladin of this uh mountain time god uh, with all these like special powers that he was going to do, like oh, after this many rounds, he would activate this, and it would combo with this other ability, and so it would this be this was big... what the the giant came up with to like test them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the party just fucking sweeps him, just absolutely bodies the guy in like two rounds before any of the special abilities could go off. Ah. So I guess like, the giant oh, was like, okay, I guess you're good. And then you just open up yeah, the floodgates. No, like, oh, God, yeah. No, go on in, guys. Take care of it. Thank you for coming, by the way. Yeah, Thank you so great. much for coming. How'd they do with the cultists and stuff? 
they had a little bit of a rougher time down there because there was a lot of undead roaming around and uh they were kind of getting swarmed like the single target stuff it was pretty easy for them but once they started getting uh started getting swarmed by a bunch of guys um started to get a little rougher for them but they did manage to to make it through there was one fight from down in the temple where uh these two other lesser uh giants were entombed down there Mm -hmm. and they got woken up by the perverse power of this uh this cultist who was bringing this fire god down here and uh trying to trying to warp it all and so there were these big giant skeletons right and they had um these uh burning red eyes that uh told the party that they were corrupted now Mm -hmm. and more than that uh there's they're uh, on their forehead, there was this uh, burning red symbol that represented this this foreign deity. And um, around their necks, they each had uh, holy symbols from the mountain god, the, the giant. That, okay. um, and so they get into this room, and these guys, these guys like lurch out of their massive, huge uh, coffins. And they just stare at the party and they screech and um, the party starts fighting them. And one of the abilities that I set up for these guys to have was um, to uh, like do a, a cone of fire out, out from them. Okay. And so at some point during the fight, they grabbed that, that holy symbol and uh, they, they clutched it, and in their hand it started melting, and the, the, the fire symbol on their head blazed bright red. Mm-hmm. And then from their mouth spewed this cone of bane fire. And right. It was, a, it was a, a, a proud moment for me as a DM. Did you drop any of them with that, or it pretty much they, they managed to shake no, it No, it, it did some damage, though. It did some damage. Yeah, um I, I I was I was happy with how I was uh that's like, with yeah, the flavor that's, of I think that's when the fun level is good too because it's like when it's like it's such a dance like I said before but like you want you don't want it to be well not every fight should be like crazy hard but like you know there, there's some quick swoops and whatnot but then like like that like a like a a real like fight like you want them to kind of think like oh wait wait we might die here like you don't mm-hmm. want them to and like they shouldn't but like. They were smart about it. They were going to. <laughs> they uh, they were pretty smart about this one. When they when they saw like the big AOE thing, they they actually kited out the the big monsters into a a, a narrower uh, tunnel and sort of fought nice. them one at a time. Nice, nice, awesome. It's really hard challenging smart players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's definitely there's there's players, and it's not against anyone. You know, some people just want to just be that guy with the sword and just just run in and go for it but like when someone's like super smart it's it's tough yeah but then you gotta be careful because if you create something too smart that's how you that's how you topple it's like an arms race yeah for sure nice well i uh it's been about yeah 45 ish minutes i think um are there any other like little short stories you might want to tell or are those pretty much your your go-to's um I mean, hey, do you have any more questions for me? I think, uh, I think it's. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation, Peter. You're you're a wonderful person to talk to, and you have a lot of uh, knowledge. It was this was good. I picked you for a reason to be my first guest <laughs> for your sheer thoroughness and um, 
uh, you also helped me a little bit setting up uh, with this. So it was, it's been uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. You have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Time tonight. Excellent. Um, so I'm going to leave that as a close for my conversation today with Peter Zepp. Anyone listening live, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, I will be doing just the audio version where all podcasts can be found. So if you if you missed it or you caught the tail end of it, you want to hear the rest of it, um, I should be posting that probably later uh, next week. Um, and then if you want to be on the show, uh, I'm going to have a few parameters. I want you – I'd like you to be – an enthusiast okay if you play a little bit on the weekends you know i just i want someone who's got some meat and potato stories for me uh and then just follow the podcast uh on here on twitch or on uh when it's posted on spotify or anything like that and then you just shoot me an email at you had to be there dnd podcast at gmail.com uh, in the email, it's D and D with the letters D N D, not with the not with the symbol. So you had to be there, D and D podcast at gmail dot com, and we'll try and set up an interview. I have uh, I have a few other people lined up, but I I definitely want to hear uh, as many stories as possible, and I'm sure the possibilities are endless. So uh, thanks again for listening. My name's Tom Desilis, and this has been Peter Zepp. Thanks everybody.